Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibut First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. I'm not in the studio this week. It's powwow time, and I'm in Cornerbrook, on the way to York Harbor from Con River, and the Miaubugik powwow this past weekend. But I wanted to share the interview I did this past week with Jamie Lickers, who is doing the Abbott case for the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland. I met people at the powwow in similar circumstances as Justin Abbott, people who've had their status for seven or eight years and are now losing it. One of the people I talked to at Con River was Greg Janes of the Mi'kmaq community in Burgio. Greg Janes is one of the many veterans who are losing their status because they were serving in the Canadian forces. Ironically, they were allowed to vote in their Newfoundland ridings and federal elections, but their absence serving their country is being used as a basis to take away their status cards. Greg Janes and five other veterans have retained Jamie Lickers to proceed with a judicial review in federal court on their specific situation. More on that in future podcasts. But the next case up is Abbott, and here's my conversation with Jamie Lickers about that. So, Jamie, tell us who is Justin Philip Abbott. So Justin Abbott is an applicant, obviously, who applied for membership in the Halapu Band. He's one of the individuals who submitted his application long before the date of the recognition order. He actually submitted his application back in October of 2009, and he's one of the many people who was originally granted membership and Indian status and then has since had that status revoked pursuant to the reassessment of applications. So he um, he was a victim of the point system, one of those many people who got um, one short of 13, he got 12, and therefore lost his status. Yes, that's exactly right. And he he is the only person in his immediate family who has had his status and membership denied. His mother, uh, father, and his brother, and his sister, I believe, were all granted membership and Indian status. And... Actually, his brother, who also resides outside of, of the island of Newfoundland, was granted status, and, and Justin was not. You'll be back in federal court on this matter. And um, what? Uh, so is this uh, your matter before federal court? Will it be a judicial review? That's right. And tell us um, what is a judicial review, because, of course, we have um, uh, different um, – proceedings going on now and tell us what is distinctive about a judicial review. Yes, so there's a couple of things that make a judicial review application distinctive. One, the first one, of course, the most obvious is that judicial review applications proceed in the federal court, not in the provincial superior courts, unlike many other actions. And um, we've seen an injunction application recently that was brought before the superior court in, in Newfoundland. The federal court deals with reviews related to decisions that are issued by federal bodies. So any decision that is issued by any sort of government or quasi-government body, which is an exercise of a federal power, 
is reviewable only by the federal court, which is why these applications are proceeding in the federal court. Obviously, the federal government has the sole constitutional responsibility related to Indians and who qualifies as an Indian. The other thing that's distinctive about a judicial review application is that generally speaking, you are reviewing an individual decision which affects an individual's rights. So in this case, the decision, of course, is the decision denying his application for membership in Indian status, and it is that decision which the court will conduct a review of for fairness and reasonability. Yeah, now let me ask you a little bit uh, more about that because it's uh, a discussion happening um, online at the moment of whether a decision in the Abbott case will be applied to um, all similarly situated people. Uh, we, in the Wells decision, we saw that the government has um, did do that, so there is a, a, a reconsideration of all uh, self-ID uh, matters pursuant to Wells. Um, how about Abbott? If you were successful in federal court, how would that apply, if at all, to other applicants? Right, that's a good question, and I, I wasn't aware of, of the online debate surrounding this issue, but generally speaking, as I said, a judicial review affects only the named applicant on the application. Now, in the Wells matters, counsel for the federal government and the Federation of Newfoundland Indians and myself were able to come to an agreement to treat the Wells cases, and these are agreements that are made in the absence of course, of knowing what the decision will be. So there's a, a bit of a gamble from every party uh, to commit to applying the decision, which you don't know what that decision will be, to everyone who's in similar circumstances. Now, a formal agreement hasn't been reached on the Abbott case yet in that regard. I, I expect those discussions will occur in the very near future. But regardless of the existence of any sort of an agreement to treat the Abbott case as a test case, the decision that is rendered by the federal court is, of course, precedent-setting. Mm. And while the specific decision the court makes about Mr. Abbott's application may only apply to Mr. Abbott, if they make any sort of a finding in relation to the point system generally and the fairness and the reasonableness of the point system, that is something that the federal government will have to take into account in regards to all applicants. Similarly, if the federal court finds that the amendments that were made in the supplemental agreement, which introduced the directive, which contains the point system, if those amendments were not properly made and were not authorized under the original agreement, then the, the validity of that directive, generally speaking, is entirely in question as it applies to every applicant. Mm. Now, uh, in the recently we've had the decision from the Supreme Court of Newfoundland and Labrador in the Benoit uh, matter, which and there's an overlap between the issues there because it was also uh, involving a challenge to the supplemental agreement. Um, do you see any overlap between the cases, or do you see anything that was said in the Benoit case to be relevant to the Abbott matter? I have to admit that I, I haven't had a chance to review the Benoit decision in detail. I did give it a, a quick review. 
I didn't review it with a view to determining um, its its helpfulness in in the Abbott application. The the precedent from from the Newfoundland court will of course be something that the federal court will take into consideration, but is not necessarily binding on the federal court because they're not at the same level of court. So the federal court will generally follow precedents from the Supreme Court of Canada and the Federal Court of Appeal. Uh, the federal court may take into account decisions issued by other courts at the Superior or the Supreme Court level in the provinces, but it, it will not consider itself to be bound by those decisions. So it can depart from anything that was said in, in, in the Benoit decision. That said, I think we had some very helpful comments that came out of the federal court on the Wells decisions, which will help us on the Abbott application. Um, specifically, the federal court was very critical of amendments that were made in the supplemental agreement, which did not seem to have the purpose of curing or correcting a deficiency. So, for example, the removal of the right of applicants to appeal their decisions if they were denied on the basis of the self-identification criteria. The federal court said that was not the correction of any inconsistency or deficiency in the original agreement, and so it was not a permitted amendment under Section 2.15. Similarly, with, with the community acceptance criteria, I have not seen any statements or any evidence from either the federal government or the Federation of Newfoundland Indians that the point system that they instituted was somehow the correction of a deficiency in the original agreement. Now, tell us specifically what, what remedy you're seeking in the Abbott decision. If you were to win and the court were to say, yeah, we're giving you what you asked for, what would that be? So a number of things, as you can imagine, when lawyers draft what we call originating pleadings, when, whether it's a statement of claim or a notice of application, you include every remedy that, that you think you could possibly want from the court. Um, but generally speaking, we're looking for a declaration that the directive, which was issued as part of the supplemental agreement, that it was improperly issued, that it was not a permitted change to the evidentiary requirements under Section 2.15 of the original agreement. Um, we've also asked the court to declare that that directive was issued on the basis of irrelevant or improper grounds, that it was for an improper purpose, and that the change to the evidentiary requirements to prove community acceptance um, are arbitrary and under-inclusive, which is similar to the argument that we made in the, in the Wells case, that the requirement of evidence from June 2008 or earlier was, was arbitrary and under-inclusive. Hmm. So similar arguments, but, but tailored to the specific facts for those individuals who were rejected on the basis of, of the point system. And tell us about uh, timelines and the way the matter would proceed. All judicial reviews are, are heard on the basis of affidavit evidence and then the evidence that comes from cross-examining affiants. Hmm. There are no witnesses in court on a judicial review application which is another distinction between a judicial review and, and a superior court trial, for example. Yes. So the timelines we expect will be very similar. Uh, you'll recall that the Wells applications were filed with the court, <clears throat> I want to say in, in March of 2017, 
and the cases were argued in February of 2018 with decisions rendered in May of 2018. So about 14 months from start to finish, and, and we would expect the same in relation to the to the Abbott matter, although keeping in mind we have held the Abbott application in abeyance, we put it on hold while we were waiting for the decisions from the federal court on Wells because certain remedies requested in Wells could have could have made the Abbott application unnecessary, but that turned out not to be the case. So we're expecting to have a case management conference before the end of the summer, which will set the timelines for the remaining steps in the litigation. And I would anticipate that we will be uh, about a year after the timeline is set. So um, if that takes place in August, we would have, uh, you would expect to be in federal court sometime before August of 2019. Based on I would hope to have a decision from the court um, around August because we've we've already filed the application. The application mm -hmm. is is in. So the the next step in the Abbott litigation, we're not starting from from step one, but the next step would be the production of affidavits and then the scheduling of, of cross examinations, um, followed only by some written submissions from from counsel and then a request for for a hearing date. Right. And would the hearing be in Toronto as with Wells? It, it could be in Toronto or Ottawa uh, would be most convenient for counsel. Um, because it's a, a judicial review application, we don't have to worry about the convenience of, of witnesses who have to travel to testify. Um, so as we did with, with Wells, we notified the federal court that the parties were agreeable to arguing in either Toronto or Ottawa based on which court had, had the first available date, and it just happened to be Toronto. Lawyer Jamie Lickers of Gowling WLG. And that's it for the show. Powwow time continues. See you in Flat Bay next weekend for the Bay St. George Powwow. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Celebration time used with the permission of Mi'kmaq artist Marcus Goss. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters on Bay of Islands Radio and Norris Point in Rocky Harbor. Tune in on Voice of Bombay. And in St. John's, catch us on CHMR. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.